0: Come dream with me tonight Let's go to far-off places And search for treasures bright
1: Come dream with me tonight Let's build a giant
0: airship And sail into the sky Let's watch the ground so far below, let's watch the birds as they fly by. The butterflies in springtime will lead us on our way. Exploding dandelions will brighten summer's day. And if our dream's a good one, and if our dream is right, then
1: imagination can be real if we will dream to In the mid-eighties, vinyl was digging its grave. And CDs were still proving themselves. Yes, in the mid eighties, the cassette tape was the king. That's true.
0: Think about it. I mean I mean it was ubiquitous. It was fucking everywhere. You haven't lived until you've bought a C- single. Right. Yep. You know? I mean, there's a reason why they still call them mixtapes. Yep.
1: Yep. It's kind of like how the save file mm-hmm. is a floppy disk. Yeah. <laughs> and people don't even know what the fuck that oh, is. No, it's the save file icon. Yeah. No, it's a fucking floppy disk, you <laughs> fucking child. You uncultured swine. The cassette tape reigns supreme. Yeah. When a former Disney employee sought out to create an interactive toy that could put cassette tapes to good use. Okay. This is the story of the Frankenstein's monster of toys, <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin. That's right. This is Toys For Us.
0: All of my best friends are toys. Hello.
1: Hi. And welcome to a brand spanking new Toys R Us. I'm your host, Richard Hunt, and across this small table from me is my co-host, Brian Muth. Hi, everybody. On today's episode, we will be discussing the lifespan of the first interactive animatronic children's toy, Teddy Ruxpin. That's right. I fucking love Teddy Ruxpin. And see, you know,
0: and it's... The, the way I kind of look at Teddy Ruxpin is like a ventriloquist dummy done right.
1: Like, one yes. that's not fucking terrifying. Which is so few and far between. Yes. Because, I mean, good lord. Yeah. that's Get that shit out of my face. Yes. I don't fucking need it. No. Not at all. And I know he gets, like, a bad rap. Because, like, he was an 80s child's first trip into the Uncanny Valley. Yeah.
0: Nah. The, I mean, the dead eyes are a little creepy. That still maintains that from a ventriloquist dummy. Yes, but. it's
1: like, come dream with me tonight. I'm
0: like, oh, do, you like, do, do you I know? have a
1: choice? I think you, <laughs> you going to make you this tonight. happen? But the Uncanny Valley part of him is kind of why I, I like him, actually. He's like, you know something is off-putting about it, yeah. but you don't
0: care. But he's kind of like this weird, like... Uh, like of intensity to to his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, he's seen some shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's seen some shit. He done some shit. He might not be proud of all of it. Yeah. He had decisions to make. But Okay. He's here he got here. Yep. Any One way, way he, he could.
1: That's right. That is fucking right. That being said, are you ready to dive into the history? You bet. <laughs> The year is 1936. Wow. That's a long time ago. Way back. <laughs> and we meet up with a man by the name of Ken Forsey. Hi, Ken. Ken was born on September 17th, 1936, in Bellwood, Nebraska. 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 <laughs> what is it like, Wayne's World? Hi. i well, are in Delaware. In Delaware. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is uh, Bellwood, Nebraska is a city about an hour and some change away from Omaha and Lincoln. Like Mutual of Omaha. (laughs) Six years later, his family packed it all up and headed to Burbank, California. Ooh, Burbank. Burbank. Schwanky. This is where a young Ken was molded into a creative mind that loved to sketch and paint and build furniture. He even took the time to make 3D comics. I think he and I would get along. Oh, hell yeah. Um, when he came of age to start working, he found himself as a mailroom clerk for Disney. That's not a bad job to have. Hell no. Especially not as, like, your first job. Yeah. It's like you have the opportunity there. there. Yeah. Which, you know, gave him a foot in the door, which eventually got him on a spot on a team of designers that served as the predecessor for Disney's Imagineer program. Oh, damn. Yeah. So, in 1959... Ken was drafted into the United States uh, Army, where he remained until 1962. Jeez. Yeah. What a bummer. Upon his arrival back home, he was welcomed back with open arms to Disney. And before he had departed from Disney, he played a vital role into the creation of not only It's a Small World, but the Haunted Mansion. So you don't
0: get that shit anymore. No. Like, employees don't get, or, uh, employers don't give a fuck about their employees. Hell no. You're just a fucking statistic to them. That's
1: really it, man. Everybody's you're you're fucking b- You're
0: a fucking body on the floor, and that's it. Yep, that's it.
1: Uh, he even worked alongside Sid and Marty Croft. Oh, get the fuck out of here! The HR Puffin stuff guys. Yep. Yeah. And they'll have their own episodes, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. HR Puffin stuff, and just Sid and Marty Croft in and of themselves. Oh, yeah, that's, such a product of their time. Because yeah, that shouldn't fly today. Well. They were high. Oh, high as fuck, So dude. fucking high. Puffing stuff? Come yeah, on. HR puffing stuff. Uh, yeah. Much <laughs> as like, puff the fucking meta Dragon. That's right. <laughs> you fucking poof. <laughs> <laughs> um, even if Teddy Ruxpin had never been on the table, Ken had a lot to offer. And he knew that complacency was not a path he wanted to travel down. He was a man with a dream, and he said goodbye to Disney and sought to break ground on his own company. So we jumped to... 19, that's a baller move. That is a big fucking baller move. Like, like you gotta
0: have huge stones to take break with Disney. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a job you can stay your entire life in.
1: Basically, especially if you were, like, on the, what was essentially the Imagineers.
0: Yeah, I mean, fuck, dude. That's ground zero for
1: some truly groundbreaking shit. <laughs> so we jumped to 1982. And Breaking Ground is exactly what he did, with the creation of his company, Alchemy 2. Which is like, okay, That's what, a cool uh, name. what happened to Alchemy 1? <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about Alchemy 1. We don't discuss Alchemy 1. You see, Ken had mentally been developing Teddy Ruxman since the mid-60s. Using whatever free time he could to draw up sketches, think up ideas, and ba- make stories basically based around the talking bear. Only, Teddy didn't start off as a teddy bear at all. In fact, the original ni- uh, the original running name was Simon Greep. Jeez Louise. Named just... after one of the monkeys that was shot into orbit in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez.
0: Wait, wait was its name Greep. Simon or was it Greep?
1: <laughs> Simon Greep. Oh, good lord. Like, what in the fuck? Why would you name a monkey that? Why would you name a child Michaelia or something? Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. White people, man. Braxton. B-R-A-X-T-O-N. Bra- Braxton and Aiden and Jaden. Ugh. Come here. and play with your sister lunar module. <laughs> uh, Hashtag live, laugh, love. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hashtag basic bitch. Lord. Hashtag gluten free. <laughs> Eventually, the... Uh, initial idea passed, and Ken started thinking of Teddy Ruxman as exactly that, a teddy bear. Uh, He had envisioned Teddy as a part of a large universe, a show, not unlike Barney the Dinosaur, with a man in a suit, a mechanical head to show any and all emotions. Upon a random visit to Alchemy 2 Studios, a Disney executive saw a slew of life sized Teddy Ruxman heads on the table and offered to Ken the opportunity to make the costumes and animatronic heads for a new show that they'd be producing entitled Welcome to Pooh Corner. Oh, which was short lived, but very. So fucking good, man. Yeah. Welcome to you.
0: And how do you do?
1: Everybody's
0: waiting here at Pooh Corner, waiting for you and waiting for Pooh to have a happy Ooty Boo time. Gloomy old Eeyore nods his head, he worries away the time.
1: Thanks for noticing me. Owl makes his speeches long and loud without any reason or rhyme. Yes, I
0: remember my Aunt Matilda on my uncle's side, my Uncle Orville, that is, who often said to me, Our rabbit is busy pulling weeds. His carrots grow tall and sweet. Enga is baking pies and cakes that Little Roos Roos waiting to eat. eat. And Piglet Forever Cleaning House is doing his daily sweep. What a, what a, what a mess. Tigger keeps bouncing up and down, perfecting his tiggerly leap.
1: Say, this is tiggerific!
0: (laughs) And here comes Winnie the Pooh winnie the pooh tubby little cubby all stuck with puffies winnie the pooh winnie the pooh willy milly silly Old Bear. well well, well welcome to welcome, you i'm winnie the winnie pooh. everybody's waiting here at Pooh corner waiting for you and me winnie the Pooh, to have a happy hooty-poo time
1: Let's have a happy, time. Like, I fucking I have a, such a soft spot in my heart for Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I do too. Which we'll do a Winnie the Pooh episode eventually because it's something that absolutely needs to be done.
0: Right. And I think that's mostly because I'm like the human equivalent of Eeyore. <sighs> I need mean, one, I'm not doing this. I mean.
1: Yeah, we, we have our Eeyore moments. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, knowing his startup was still in the starting phase, Ken jumped at the opportunity to help Disney out once again. As time passed, his company grew, and his small startup was now 200 people strong. Dude, you know you're, you're a fucking
0: baller if Disney comes to you and say, Hey, do yeah. uh, you mind giving us a hand with this? Yeah, come back,
1: please. If <laughs> Disney's knocking at your door to say, Hey... You're fucking doing something right. Come back, please. Yeah. And in 1984, they had their first set of Teddy Ruxpin proto- prototypes built. Uh, in the show notes, I'll put like the first picture of the first prototype, because mm-hmm. it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it is. Uh, Ken and his team had a lot of ambition, but needed just a bit of help, which led to a licensing agreement with a company led by a former Atari executive. An Atari executive that was also a big part of an other uh, animatronic animal, albeit on a much larger scale, won Charles Entertainment Cheese. Oh. No. A.K.A. Chucky Cheese. Cheese. Yeah. That company was called Worlds of Wonder, but more on them later. Worlds of Wonder. In six months, Teddy Roxman went from a big lifeless head to a small animatronic bear. It's just like Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh. Even by today's standards, Teddy Ruxpin is an electronic marvel. It's true. Inside of Teddy was a large speaker that served as a conduit between the three servos in his head that controlled his eyes and mouth and the cassette player that rested in his back. That cassette player was what set Teddy on an ivory tower above his competition. Because that cassette player didn't play what we knew cassette tapes to be. No. It played the story that accompanied the book that it came with. But on top of that, he used groundbreaking technology to control his eyes and mouth. And depending on the place in the story, Teddy would take and become, well, animated. Yeah, it could... Like, if he was shocked in in the tape, he was shocked in person.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um... Several companies made knockoff cassettes that work with Teddy Ruxman, but were promptly sued by Alchemy 2 and Worlds of Wonder, <laughs> putting a swift end to that. And they were dealt with mercilessly. Oh, yes. All things considered, Teddy was looking good, and in September of 1985, he was released to the public. Upon its initial release date, a Teddy Ruxpin would set parents back $70. Boom! With inflation at the time of this recording, that's a whopping $164. Holy shit! Yeah. However, that ticket price is a lot more generous than the uh, price that had that they had been toting originally at the 1985 Toy Fair. Oh, really? The initial finished prototype was $150. Holy... Oh. Which... Right now would be $350. Holy shit. Yeah. In the first 30 days of Teddy Ruxpin's initial run, they sold 41,000 units, netting them somewhere around $3 million. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of fucking bears, man. When Teddy Ruxpin was released, he wasn't released alone. He came with an almost Tolkien level of backstory. (laughs) Uh, The Adventures of Teddy Ruxpin was a cartoon produced by Deke, Who will get their own episode. Oh, yeah. They were everywhere. Deek. Yeah. Which ran from 1986 until 1987. And many of the voice actors from the book on tape series, which ran from 1985 until 1987, stepped in to reprise their roles on the cartoon. See, now that's baller as fuck. That's back in the day when, like, people would do that shit. Yeah. Right now, it's like... Fuck you, pay me. And any time they have to have Tom Hanks for Woody, <laughs> and that's not in a movie, they just get his brother. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, uh, you know, I get it. Tom Hanks is busy. But at the same time, it's like, hmm. come on, dude. Yeah. Uh, over the run of the combined series, there was nearly sixty characters introduced over almost seventy episodes. Good lord, that's like a new new character per episode. Basically, dude. The pilot for the live action show stayed just that—a pilot. Aired as the movie of the week on ABC. However, the only other character that was turned into an animatronic toy was Teddy's best friend, an octopede called Grubby. Grubby, I love Grubby, man. Yeah. That's not to say Teddy and Grubby were alone completely, because several different hand puppets were created to join in on the fun. Although Teddy Ruxpin and his friends were flying off the shelves, it wasn't quite the saving grace that Worlds of Wonder had been hoping for. They are a successful company, to say the least, a big proprietor of electronic toys, and it was one of their toys that ended up doing them in. I think I was going to say, there's a huge butt coming in. Oh, there's a big old butt, and I cannot lie. In nineteen eighty-seven, in addition to Teddy Ruxpin and being the very first company to distribute the Nintendo Entertainment System, one of Worlds of Wonder's best-selling toys was their laser tag line.
0: Oh, I remember laser tag.
1: Yes, laser with a Z. With yes, yes. Now with an S with a Z. With a Z, a top-of-the-line laser tag experience you didn't have to go out to the arcade to have fun with. Unfortunately, you can't have the good without the bad. That's right. It was late in the night at Central Elementary School in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Cucamonga. Where a group of teenagers were playing a late night game of laser tag. Breaking the law, sure. Yeah. But not causing any real trouble. Right. In a classic tale of wrong place, wrong time, 19-year-old Leonard Falcon, which is just a fucking Uh, badass name. It really is. We, We got robbed of that cool ass name. Leonard Falcon. Falcon Punch! Yeah! Uh, he jumped from a bush to take aim at a friend he was sure he had the jump on. However, fate was not on his side, and it wasn't his friend after all. It was a sheriff's deputy. Uh-oh. And in the dark, under the circumstances, before he could even identify himself as a police officer, the deputy mistook the laser tag gun for a real gun. Shit. And retaliated with a 12-gauge shotgun. Oh, fuck! It wasn't until he looked on the ground that he noticed the gun was the toy. Mm. But at that point, it was too late. Damn. Leonard Falcon was pronounced dead at 10.58pm. Fuck. The death of Leonard Falcon caused ripples in the media. Ripples that oh, changed no the tide of toys as we knew it. His death effectively brought about the grassroots movement to put an end to war-related toys. Right. Even going so far as to pe- petition G.I. Joe, as well as laser-tank guns. Worlds of Wonder did a massive recall on their laser trap guns, recoloring them from, from black to white, but for them it was too late. Oh yeah, damage done already. Ultimately, it was, World, it was Worlds of Wonder's lack of response and general lack of sensitivity to Leonard's mm. death that brought upon their bankruptcy and eventual disbandment during the holiday season of 1990. Oh, cruel irony. They folded, still owing $7 million to Alchemy 2. Oops. Their downfall led to the layoff of nearly 200 Alchemy Two employees and the end of the popularity reign of Teddy Ruxpin. Damn. But when you strike oil, you don't think of leaving the area without trying everything you can to find yourself even more oil. It's true. So we meet up again with Teddy Ruxpin in 1991. This time it was Rhode Island's play school at the Reigns and by proxy, Hasbro. Right. Uh, They shrunk Teddy down and created a cartridge system to replace the cassette bay on the original. However, PlaySchool's cartridge system proved to be, at best, a very faulty one, and by 1996, Teddy Ruxpin would disappear once again. Damn. Poor Teddy. I know. Dude's got his ups and his downs. But he proved to be something you couldn't keep down. Yeah? As we meet up again with him in 1998. This particular line of Teddy Ruxpin was helmed by Yes Entertainment which will be featured at a, as a mini-episode at some point. Not a very good company, to say the least. Are they evil? Oh, they're evil. Oh, boy. They didn't do much to enhance Teddy, aside from returning to the former cassette player style. Mhm. They also put a line of interactive VHS tapes that Teddy would respond to, Huh. bringing TV into his repertoire. The most unique product to come from this line was a Beanie Baby tie-in. Because, oh jeez. You know, at that point, everybody was chomping at the bit. Oh yeah, the fucking Beanie Babies. Um, but due to poor business practices, Alpha Me Too pulled their licensing from Yes, and in 1999, Teddy disappeared once again. But the, the the recluse goes back into hiding, as he's prone to do. He's kind of like the fucking creeper from Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> yeah, he resurfaces every <laughs> or so many years. Pennywise, Pennywise, yeah, just keeps coming back, man. Uh. We meet again with him in 2005. This time produced by Backpack Toys. Backpack Toys. Backpack. They scrapped the whole entire cassette tape idea and opted for digital cartridges. Ooh. And while there are still toys being produced by them, they have largely stepped away from Teddy Ruxpin. And this is where we entered Teddy Ruxpin's longest period of hibernation. Because the market went silent for 12 years. Silently watching. Oh, yes. Waiting It's 2017.
0: 2017.
1: And Wicked Toys was asked to awaken our furry friend from his 12-year sleep. And they brought him back in a big way. They took the original master tapes, voiced by Phil Barron, and restored them. Ooh. They took the general idea of Teddy Ruxpin and shrunk him down to a smaller and softer version. Not needing a big, bulky speaker certainly helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, He came pre-packaged with a few stories and through a mobile app, the Bluetooth-based Teddy Ruxpin would never run out of stories to tell. Now, see, that's cool. But all the shine came with a hefty price tag mm. at nearly $100. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wicked Cool's Teddy Ruxpin was a cut above the rest. However, they released a smaller, less tech-prone versions of Teddy and his best friend <laughs> Grubby for those we couldn't see spending $100 on a teddy bear. It was announced in May of 2018 that Alchemy 2 has teamed up with the Jim Henson Company to create a, a puppet-based uh, Teddy Ruxman series. Oh, damn. Yeah, which, you know, the Jim Henson Studio, that's another one that everything they touch is oh, fucking... gold. Yeah. When all was said and done, there has been nearly 20 different iterations of Teddy Ruxman. Outfit changes, company jumps, and what have you. But there is no denying that his place in history is solidified. It's true. He was a friend to many who needed him, and he taught us to not be afraid of adventure, and taught us to keep an open heart and an open mind. Yeah. It's just like one of those toys that really did like make your childhood. You know? It really did. Uh, he yeah, paved, if you were lucky enough to have one. Right. Yeah. He paved the way for many talking toys. There would be no Tickle Me Elmo. Oh, absolutely be not. no Furby. Nope. There would be none of these like, creepy-ass talking baby dolls. <laughs> and those things are creepy. Him, oh, they're so creepy. Uh, Teddy Rexman was truly the passion project of a man who wanted to change the world, and I think the most important thing is that he did change the world, even if it was only for, like, a certain generation of children. Right. Uh, Ken Forsey passed away in 2014 at 77 years old.
0: Aw, R.A.P., dude.
1: Having lived a life filled to the brim with love and imagination, leaving behind both biological grandchildren and an entire re- generation of grandkids that never knew just how important he was. You know who else? That's a good tribute.
0: (sighs) Oh, is it Facty? It's It's, Facty. Yeah! The Fact of the Box. That's my buddy.
1: Teddy Ruxman was a beloved toy to George H. W. Bush and Barbara Bush's grandchildren, and even appears in a magazine spread with the kids in the White House. Really? Yeah. Baby Teddy Ruxman was sans any type of cassette system. Instead he acted as sort of a parrot toy. Like he would say something and he would say something and wait for the child to reply. Okay. Um you would just have the back and forth like that. Well, that seems interesting. Uh, Teddy was translated into many different languages, including G- English, Japanese, Italian, German, Portuguese, French, and Cantonese. Oh, damn. Yeah, which is like a wide market there. Yeah. Uh, there was a Teddy Rexman fan club that became quite popular. Uh, included in the original membership package was a membership card, a poster, a balloon, an activity book, a paint by water picture, an iron on transfer, which was like so big in like yeah the 70s it was like early nineties. Yeah, send in five box tops and you get an iron on transfer. It's like, it's like okay. oh fuck yeah I am cool. That's that's when Ma, I need the cereal. That's when you fucking burn yourself on an iron because you think you know mm-hmm. what the fuck you're doing. You're yeah, like no, you, you don't. don't know what you're doing. You don't. Um, there was also a press out book. Additionally, there was a newsletter two welcome letters, and two separate ads. And detailed had, like, schematics. buns and shit. Yeah. Uh, the Adventures of Teddy Ruxman series held six top ten positions at Billboard's home video charts. That's fucking crazy. And won a, won a VSDA, Video Software Dealers Association, what? award for the best non-movie children's program in 1987. Okay, so that's pretty cool. So it won a whole fuckload of, like, just random ass, but, just, like, very random awards, things. you know? Uh, and once again, we find ourselves at the end, a little wiser and a little bit more appreciative for a part of our lives that is much bigger than we could have ever given it credit for. Uh, if you like what you hear and you'd like to continue learning and nabbing yourself a producer credit, head on over to patreon.com slash Toys R Us podcast. You could also leave us a five star rating and review on iTunes Apple podcast. Uh, it'll really help us. Like Yes, it will. Come dream with us, you know. Give <laughs> us a fucking good, a good review here. Yeah. Uh, you could also follow us on all social medias. We're at Toys R Us Podcast across the board. I'll see. Please one more time. I, I'm yes, not. I'm please. not above begging. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I'm so far not above begging. Uh, until next time, remember: don't stick a Judas Priest tape in Teddy Ruxpin. New. No. And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid.
0: You know, sometimes I think back to that Christmas morning when I was eight years old. I wish I'd just
1: gotten a Teddy Ruxpin. Say that one more time. Teddy Rux fucking pin!